So hi, one of the Granoise podcasts. I'm Shane. I'm Glory. And we're here with... My name is Lucas. I'm the singer of Holden Absence. And we're going to ask some questions today about the upcoming album, The Noble Art of Self-Destruction. So congrats on that, by the way. How do you feel about the response to the announcement so far? Yeah, really, really good so far. You know, I think we're quite an album band, though, you know, so our fans, I think, are waiting for the big day before they go crazy, crazy. So, uh, yeah, can't wait for everybody to hear it, you know. Definitely an album band because I've noticed a lot of single edits on the singles that you guys have Mm -hmm. put out because Mm -hmm. of all of the transitions and shit that are baked into this record. Yeah, man. Thank you. Yeah, that's always the goal is to try and make the album experience kind of unique to just, you know, I guess listening to 10 songs and listening to an album that should feel different. Right. So. So, yeah. But at the same time, we didn't want to give away the transitions too much before the album actually dropped, you know. Fair enough. That's fair. And last time we spoke, I didn't realize that you guys were like in the middle of building a trilogy with your first three records. Uh, Can you like talk a little bit about that? Well, to be honest, when we spoke, I'm not sure that we even knew that that was the plan. But I think (laughs) when we started writing the third album, it felt very much like, you know, almost like the beginning kind of like the end of the beginning of our band's career if that makes sense like the first three albums you know we we made sure with this album we didn't want to do anything kind of scary or anything too risky almost because we know what we're good at and we know our fans love that and you know it was a case of almost refining our sound to the maximum now Mm -hmm. and then kind of closing everything off and then who knows where album four will take us so yeah makes sense interesting Album was fucking immaculate, by the way. Just to thank you so there. much. I, honestly, the, you know, this is I think my second day of doing press for the album, so I, I've only heard the opinions of like five people before these interviews. So every time someone says that, um, you know, the album's good, I, it means a lot to me because you're probably the, the eighth person to compliment it to me. So thank you very much. Hell yeah! <laughs> of course, of course. Uh, so, is there any meaning behind the album title or cover art? Yeah, man. So this this whole album is really, you know, very conceptually rich. You know, I come up with um, lots of lots of through thread concepts and stuff like that. But ultimately, the album is about, you know, overcoming hardship and trying to grow, essentially, you know, Um, Kintsugi, which is the Japanese art form of infusing glue with gold and repairing something to make it more valuable. You know, that was very important to us. And as you can tell by the artwork, you know, you can literally see the artwork has been put together basically with gold, you know, so so that was very important to us. Um, and then, you know, the title itself, The Noble Art of Self-Destruction, I think it was kind of this idea that, you know, almost like self-destruction is generally viewed as a negative thing. But, you know, the lessons that I've learned writing this album, I think, you know, breaking is important in order to mend in a in a healthier, better way, almost. You know, so uh, so that's kind of where all of that come from. But yeah, there's a lot of I I, I could talk for hours about it all. To be honest, there's a lot going on. So yeah, hell yeah, all that's right. fucking awesome. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about your writing process for this album? Yeah, so uh, this album was was the first album we'd ever done as like a full time band. So the greatest mistake of my life was written at the end of 2019. And um, and we were still working, you know, I was working in a local music shop and Scott was working in a coffee shop. And we were kind of just hoping someday we would be a band that got to tour 
a lot, you know, we, 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 we had toured a lot, but nowhere near the extent that we've done post COVID, you know? Um, so yeah. So for this album, it was like, we're a full-time band now. We don't have jobs anymore, you know? So it's like basically every moment we were home, which was not actually that much because we were touring so often, but every moment we were home, it was a case of let's, you know, meet up, let's do five day weeks. Let's go on little like retreats to like cottages in the middle of nowhere and just try and find some, you know, juice from different places, I guess. But it was definitely a hard album to write because time, you know, because like basically we, we toured, probably eight of the last 12 months or during that cycle. Mm -hmm. So for us to come home and then spend probably three months writing, you know, and then a month recording is like, you know, it it was definitely an intense process, but I think it sounds like a mature album from a band that is doing it full time. You know, it doesn't sound like a bunch of kids have put this album together and, and I'm, I'm really proud of that. I think so. Yeah. Hell yeah. Absolutely. Uh, how how did you kind of keep that motivation? You know, you're you're touring a shit ton and like now you you have to get a record done and written and you, yeah, you really it, have no time to stop. It is tough. And and one thing that I think is very important to note is, you know, when you do what we do, which is essentially create art, you know, you nobody can force you to do that, you know, that 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 should come naturally from your heart. So yeah, you're right. Coming home and being like, right, chop, chop. We've got a month to write an album. Be inspired, be creative, be interesting. It is actually really tough. Um, but I think that being said, you know, the the gravity of what we're doing here is is never lost on us. You know, we're we're a group of lads who grew up in a small village and, you know, were obsessed with the local music scene, basically, and obsessed with the, the Warp Tour music scene and and now we're fortunate enough to be touring with bands we grew up like idolizing basically and i think you know when when you keep trying to remind yourself of that i think it's almost hard to fail because you know you realize that everything counts everything and if this album flops that's it i'm gone Uh, you know uh, i'll be a guy on your spotify for the next 10 years and then I'll disappear forever. And, you, you know, and, it, and it, it's very cutthroat sometimes in the music industry. So it is very much about being aware of how, how quickly this can be over and almost how much time we've invested to get it to the point that it's at anyway, you know? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, makes sense. Absolutely. And are you guys like not a we can write on tour band? Like, do you have to create a, a writing environment, go off to a cabin and kind of create that comfortable environment to write together? Yeah, brilliant question, because yes, I, I'd say we very much are, you know, and uh, I think it's it's actually interesting because, um, you know, the digital age has, has sadly trained musicians to write in a very different way. And I think, you know, you, you hear about your favorite bands, they would write the songs on tour in soundcheck, right? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They'd, they'd come up with a riff and they'd be like, well, you know, and they jam it out. And by the end of the tour, they've written this song in soundcheck, you know? And, and I think these days, because, you know, using technology and, you know, computers is so much more um, important, I guess. I think us included, I think a lot of musicians have kind of lost the skill of, of being able to write in, in the sound check now, you know? Mm-hmm. And then the other thing I'd say is like, there's no way we're writing an album on a laptop on tour. I just, yeah. that just looks like the most miserable thing to me. And I know some friends of ours that are doing that now we're touring with them and 
we'll go in and they'll have the laptop on the table and the guitar in their hands. And, and it's like, I just feel sorry for them because touring should be like fun. And sometimes writing isn't fun. So it's like, it's almost like your, your world's colliding a little bit too much. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing I think is important to note is that we will come home and we will write, but a lot of our music is slow cooked. You know, it's wow. like a lot of the ideas and the concepts and the lyrics that I come up with will will happen over months and months. So it actually was quite cool for me because we came home, we did a load of demos and then we sat with the demos and then the ones that sucked, you know, if they suck to us after a month, they're going to suck to everybody else after a month. So let's spin that, you know what I mean? And then yeah. also this lyric I've been toying with, I've actually now managed to kind of unlock to its full potential. So I can't wait to get home and put that down. So yeah, it's, it's kind of a, yeah, there's a lot of duality to it. I, I, I very much look at it as flash frying food sometimes and, and slow cooking food the other times and trying to get all the different types of magic from different ways, I guess. So, yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, so what song off this album took the longest to write and which one is your personal favorite? Ooh, tough, tough, tough. I'm not entirely sure which one took the longest to write. You know, there's a few, there's a few songs that... For example, Honeymoon, the song that we put out most recently, you know, that was a song that I, I wrote basically just myself and an acoustic guitar. And we'd never like translated that before. So I would actually say that that probably took the longest time to actually reach its finish line because I had an acoustic version, but, you know, I had to almost like convince the rest of the band to imagine what I was imagining <laughs> and make it become what it became, you know, Um but for me personally, though, my favorite song is a song called Her Wings, which is kind of like I, I'm a diehard My Chemical Romance fan. And that's very My Chem kind of vibes, you know. And then the other one is uh, the closing track, The Angel in the Marble, which is um, I think is probably my best performance as a lyricist. I think mm-hmm. uh, a lot of the lyrics on that song are very, very personal. And uh, and I'm, I'm really proud that it, it's the conclusion to our three album trilogy, I guess, you know. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And that's very crazy to hear that Honeymoon was was kind of transformed from an acoustic track, just you and acoustic guitar to full band, because that's usually like the exact opposite of what we hear. Everyone's always like, we start with an acoustic guitar and then kind of flesh it out from there. So you guys just always jump like like deep end head first with just like full like uh, instruments and everything. When yeah, write- generally, I, I think it's because, you know, you you want you almost want to look at like the the maximum potential that a song has you know mm-hmm. so if we sat down and wrote a chorus that sounded absolutely epic straight away there's no question that that's going to be epic you can literally hear it on a demo if that makes sense whereas mm-hmm. with an acoustic guitar you've really got to believe in the 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 the, the bones of the music and and yeah. that does take a lot more imagination um mm-hmm. so yeah you're right i think some some people will you know like for example like even just like Nirvana, you know, it's like, I'm sure Kurt Cobain wrote everything on an acoustic guitar and then translated it forwards. But Mm -hmm. that's something that we've never done. But that being said, hey, you know, maybe it's something we do a lot more of album for now that we've kind of unlocked that, that skill, I guess, you know? Absolutely. So how'd the track list for the album come about? Did you guys write the opener be the opener, close be a closer, just shuffle around and see what fits? What was that process like? Yeah, great question, because we do that. We very much look at how we want the album to sh- be shaped. You know, I, I it's hard to it's hard to, you know, kind of describe 
lots of the things I see in my head when I'm creating things. But, you know, if you think about your favorite albums, you know, they're almost like a, like a, a, a bar chart, you know, they go up and then they come down and then they slowly rise. And then sometimes they go up, down, left and right. And, and I think for us, the skill of writing an album is the hardest skill. So I, I think, you know, if we can say, here is the rigid structure of what we think the album should be. Mm. And then let's try and like accumulate songs to fit in those slots. I think mm. that is, has actually worked for us every time we've, we've written an album. And, and I think sometimes when you listen to a, an album from a band, you can tell they didn't have that in mind, you know, and I never want to write and record 10 songs and then place them because I just think, there's so much that could go wrong there. And, and I think the the experience of an album deserves a grander plan almost, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. Absolutely. Fuck yeah. Uh, so would you be able to tell us where your headspace is at while you're creating this record? Yeah, so, I mean, this was an interesting record because, you know, the first album was about love and about a relationship. And then the second album was about kind of grief and hindsight and, you know, bit larger than life things almost, you know. But then I, I, it dawned on me that, you know, I'd never really been too personal or almost because I was lost in the concepts, you know. So the concept for this album was was really big and really rich. But it was really rooted in my personal experience as a as a as a self-critical, self-deprecating person, always trying to improve. So um I do feel like I reached into like ugly parts of myself a little bit with this album to try and almost pull the the darker parts of me out a little bit and, and come to grips with them. But I think that is the, the, the point of the human experience is to to come to grips with the uglier parts of you as well as celebrating the beautiful parts of you. Um, so yeah, so for this album, there was, for me personally, a lot of introspection and a lot of, you know, I guess, critical thought. But mm. um, at the same time, I do really feel like it's the most candid and real album I've ever written lyrics for. So yeah. All right. Hell yeah. Uh, so how do you recommend your fans to listen to this album for the first time? If you're doing the car with friends and dark with headphones on is workout album, party album. What do you personally recommend? Uh, for me, I would say, um, I don't know, man. I always think walking is like a good way of, of just listening to an album. You know what I mean? Like maybe late at night when everything's just a little bit quiet, you know, and the world is a little bit more kind of, yeah, I, I, I'd say, you know, have food, whatever you have food, you know, put a pair of headphones in and uh, just go for a, go for a nice hour long walk and just, just take it all in, I'd say. So, yeah. All right. Definitely not a gym album though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> uh, so this one should be super, super quick off the top of your head. I want you to describe this album for new listeners in three words, no more, no less. Ooh, okay. Um, Sorry, my dog is just turned up. <laughs> oh my goodness! Okay. Are we able to meet them? What's, what's up? Uh, yeah, Coco, what's good? <gasps> Hi, Coco. Dude, I'm brilliant. I love him. <laughs> um, I'm dog sitting this weekend. She's a she's a, a clingy little thing. Um, okay, right. So three words. Um, I would say, I would say critical. I think it's an important part of this album. Is that it is a critical album? Oh, sorry, I'm supposed to say three three words. I'm not supposed to explain the words. <laughs> Um, okay, I'd say critical, mm -hmm. hopeful, mm -hmm. and personal. Yeah, 
All right. Perfect. Would you would you okay. like to explain them now, or you want to leave it there? Yeah, I, I guess I can. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it is. Yeah, the idea of this album was to be critical of self and to encourage people to be critical of themselves in in a positive way, um, and also to embrace the parts of yourself you're almost lying to yourself about. I'd say so. That um, what was the other one? I said personal, which was mm-hmm. I think I kind of explained earlier. You know, it's like this was probably the most personal album I've done. And the other one was honest. Was no, what hopeful? was it? Hopeful. Yes, it was because this album closes with a very, very hopeful crescendo. You know, the the closing lyric: "I am a puzzle. I am a painting. I am a work of art in the making." Mm. It says, you know, I'm intricate and I'm unfinished, and that is beautiful. And like at the end of the day, you know, uh, I, I think a, a painting can always have a little bit more work done to it if, if you need right so so your story isn't finished you know mm-hmm. so yeah Hell that's yeah. such a crazy fucking closing lyric man so in that same train of thought is there a certain feeling or emotion you want listeners to have while going through the album N- uh, not so much i just wanted to make people think about themselves you know like i i think you know especially when we talk about the stigma of hey you know you know being a a man myself as well you know like that's one whole nother thing but as people you know we've never been encouraged to embrace our emotions and and I think you know we're we're coming to grips with it more as a a society but I I want this to be an album that yeah people just like think about themselves when they listen to in in a good way you know like how can you be better how can you learn to find closure you know stuff like that so Mm -hmm. fucking rocks uh, so are you able to talk about any particularly challenging or standout moments from the creation of this album, positive or negative? Um, I would say the recording process was a little bit tough because I find, I find it's it's weird, but you know, I've only recorded an album kind of like twice really in, in like a, an a enclosed kind of experience. But um I, I find I do get like a little bit depressed when we record music and I, I don't know why that is, but I think it's it's almost like that culmination of all of our work put together and almost like, I don't know, it's almost like that sick feeling you get in your stomach when, you know, you're, you're wondering if the thing that you've spent ages trying to do actually happens almost. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I can't think of a better analogy than that. But yeah, there's always that. And then I guess, yeah, you know, coming to the end of a project and, and really holding the mirror up to yourself and kind of asking, am I good enough? You know, it's in keeping with the album itself that that's how I felt. But yeah, I'd say, you know, the ups and downs of being a, you know, a kind of sensitive person in a very, very kind of clinical industry, I, I guess, you know, is always the hardest part. But otherwise, though, I think, you know, I would say I'm proud of how good I think this album is considering how natural it came to us, which mm-hmm. is, uh, which is a great thing. Oh yeah. So for this question, I want you to picture you're on tour. You're at a gas station for a rest stop. What was your snack of choice? Yeah. Oh, so I'm, I'm vegan. So my snack of choice is very much diminished compared to most people's. And now that we've done so much U S touring, uh i'm very aware that loves doesn't have many vegan snacks <laughs> um so there's a there's a cookie company called lenny and larry's i don't know if yep. you guys are aware yeah and mm-hmm. i think they're all vegan so i uh, i lived off of them for the silverstein tour because i was just yeah constantly munching on those so yeah nice oh yeah you got a favorite flavor 
Um, to be honest, it's normally just the white chocolate chip macadamia ones that they sell. But um, but man, as I get, I've got the point now with being vegan, where I feel like I've eaten everything. So if it's different, I'll just try it. You know what I mean? So. Fair enough. Hell yeah, fuck yeah. Uh, so on the topic of food, if the band was a dish, what dish would the band be, and why? Ooh, great question. Uh, Thank you. Ooh. I mean, yeah, like I said, we're vegan, so it'd have to be a vegan dish. Uh-huh. Um, ooh, I don't know. This is a toughie, man. I'm trying to think of what, what the core of our band is and how to translate that to uh, to the, 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 the plate, I guess. Uh, I don't know why, but I think... No, I'll, I'll tell you what comes straight to mind, actually, is uh, our drummer, Ash, is a brilliant chef, and... Um, Basically, he, he has this kind of signature dish, which is just like a load of vegetables, a load of beans and a load of rice. And like, I know it's kind of hard to explain, but uh, when we recorded, when we record or write or whatever, and we're away as a band, we call it the Greeno Special. And uh, it's basically just like loads of broccoli, loads of Brussels sprouts, really nicely cooked rice, and then like loads of pulses and stuff. And uh, have you ever tried nutritional yeast? Yes. You know what that is? Yeah, so just a, a whole lot of nooch on the top of that, and uh, mm. yeah, I think that's yeah, so yeah, nice. That sounds right. fucking scrumptious. <laughs> um, so for the last couple of questions, we're going to shift completely away from music. So if you could be one animal for the rest of your life, what animal would you be, and why? Mm. I recently fell in love with squirrels. I I just I had a moment where I was like in a park and I was looking at a squirrel, and I remember thinking like they're just so like aloof but also like agile and cool you know and like kind of sociable but kind of rude at the same time so i'm gonna yeah i'll go i'll go with the squirrel man yeah squirrel oh yeah okay (laughs) Uh, so if you could have lunch with any celebrity or artist dead or alive who would it be and why that's really tough um toughie i think i'm gonna go with stan lee the, uh, oh. the the Marvel goat. I'm a massive, massive Marvel fan. And uh, when I was 11 years of age, um, my history um, homework was to to write up a piece of paper about a historical figure. And mm. I, I got an F because I did it about Stanley. And my teacher was like, "This he's not historical." And now, you know, 20 years later or whatever, yeah, or 15 years later, it's like. There's no question that Stanley is probably one of the most important men in pop culture, you know, and Absolutely. everything he's created. So, so I'd say that, and and I think more than anything, I think you know he always had a good philosophy and um, like a hunger to you know tell stories that related to people, and I, and I think that's what Holden Absence does really. I just try and tell stories that can relate to people, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you have a favorite Marvel movie? Oh, movie. Um, oof. I'm trying to think. I'm very. Uh, I watch everything Marvel does because, like, like I said, I'm. I'm generally. I'm a diehard Marvel fan. I've been reading yeah. the comics since I was like seven years of age. But I. Uh, I would probably say maybe Ragnarok because I just that was like a really refreshing kind of take on. And I loved World War Hulk, the comic that it was based on. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd go with that. Or I loved Guardians Three. I thought that was a brilliant movie. So yeah, I'll probably go with that as well. That's I did not expect Ragnarok. I was thinking like, oh, Winter Soldier, like one of the first like Captain Americas, but Ragnarok. Yeah, I just think it's like it's creative, you know. I think that's the thing. I I think you know uh, they're trying to do it a lot with the Marvel movies, where and maybe they're losing themselves a little to it. I will say, but 
trying to make every movie different, almost as if mm. Marvel is the genre rather than, oh. you know, Marvel, uh, so every film kind of has like its own different, you know, like um, Multiverse of Madness is a horror and blah, blah, yep. blah. So I think for me personally, any film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe that has like a very unique identity, I mm. 100% go for that one, you know? Um, but that being said, Winter Soldier was great. And, you know, obviously Infinity War and Endgame are just goated. So, oh, yeah. Oh my God, amazing, yeah. Fuck yeah. Hell yeah. And uh, for this last question, boom, you're on a desert island. You can bring one movie, one album, and one person. Who and what are you bringing? Well, I'll bring my girlfriend because she's my best friend as well. So, you know, I'm sure we can hang out for the rest of the time on an island. That'd be, that'd be easy. Um, a movie. Woo! I'm going to... On you. The, the Studio Ghibli movie about um, a small goldfish that turns into a little girl and falls in love with a little boy. And it's just like Aww. so cute. Yeah. I think it just has like, it just has this beautiful energy to it. Um, I was going to say Kill Bill, but then I was like, that's probably going to get a bit tiresome after, you know, however many years. <laughs> and then um, as far as an album goes, I would say, I would normally say The Black Parade. Um, because it's my favorite album of all time. But I think I'm going to say OK Computer just because it's like my girlfriend and mine's probably mutual favorite album. So okay. I don't want to hog all the music. You know? so. <laughs> That's very considerate. Usually people are like, oh, I'm going to fucking torture my partner with this album that <laughs> yeah, they actually hate. But you're like, this is our favorite. Yeah. Yeah. yeah man you know it's got to be a fun experience for everyone all two people involved you know oh yeah <laughs> absolutely um, so as i said that's all the questions we have today is there anything that you would like to plug nope just my band we're on tour we're doing a whole lot of shows uh around north america um from september onwards and hopefully we'll be doing um a headline tour at some point in the future as well so yeah just keep your eyes on that and i hope you enjoy the album whoever you are if you listen to it hope you enjoy Oh, uh, yeah. All right. Well, thank you for staff. It's been Lucas from Holding Absence, and we have been the Good Noise Podcast.